In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCEN friend, Mo Menard. As Janie Shoemaker and Mark Eggers talk with Mo Menard, you will hear passion in everything she says. From her captivating stories, to her specialty leadership, and still taking time to reflect. This episode will keep your attention and may make you think about some things differently. This episode is called Award-Winning Radio Personality and Nurse Influencer. Hello, and welcome to BCN and Friends Podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Mark Eggers, Manager of Education and Technology Services at BCN, and one of your hosts for today. I'm joined by my co-host, Janie Shoemaker, the CEO at BCN. Hi, Janie. Hi, Mark. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we welcome Mo Menard. Janie, could you tell us about our BCN and friend, Mo? I sure would. Mo's one of my favorite people. I've gotten to know her over the last year, and um, she is just wonderful. So Mo Menard um, is the Director of Nursing for Beaumont Farmington Hills, located in Southeast Michigan. She is a certified executive in nursing practice by the American Organization of Nursing Leadership and serves as clinical faculty for the University of Michigan. Mo is also award-winning radio personality and nurse influencer in Metro Detroit, and that is absolutely the truth. She is such a rock star. Mo, welcome to the BCEN and Friends podcast. Can't wait to have this conversation with you. Oh, hi, Janie. I can't. Hi, Janie. Hi, Mark. I can't wait to have the conversation either. This is kind of like um, so surreal, like a dream come true a little bit, right? You know, starting out as an ER nurse and, you know, to be involved with anything with BCEN, you feel very important. And so I was so excited when you all asked me to come on. So I'm just happy to be here and excited for the opportunity. Well, we're glad to have you, Mo. And um, I know we just uh, told our audience a little bit about you with that very short bio, but you, um, you've had quite a nursing journey. Can you tell us a little bit more about about yourself and um, what your nursing journey's been like as well. Tell us more. Yeah, so I'm Mo Menard, and actually, uh, my real name is Imana, uh, but my nickname comes from my last name before I was married, my maiden name, it was Moore. And so my true nickname was Monomo, and eventually, because my whole family is something Mo, right, because of Moore. It's Demo, Bmo, Timo. And so I was Monomo. Eventually, Mona just dropped off. So um, I am a proud mom, wife. I have, I tell people I have two children, two dogs, and one husband. Um, I'm actually a nursing leader, as you stated, for uh, the largest health system in Southeast Michigan, Beaumont Health. Uh, and I have oversight over the emergency center. Uh, one of our med-surg units, hemodialysis, our nursing resource pool, and our IV team. Uh, and so if that is not enough, <laughs> I'm also clinical faculty for the University of Michigan, Flint. And I am so lucky because 
I get our second degree students as they are in their last semester for their leadership clinical. And I cannot tell you how much I truly, truly love that. Uh, my journey into nursing was not traditional by any means. I actually was a paramedic with Detroit EMS Fire Department for 11 years. And I made the decision to go to nursing school after talking to some colleagues, uh, some other paramedics, uh, you know, told me about a RN program that was a paramedic to RN bridge program, which I did not believe was true, but it actually was because I did it and graduated from it. And even, you know, what's hilarious is I returned to the school to get my bachelor's and master's degree from them for a school that I thought was made up. But anyway, so we all did this paramedic to RN program together which I will tell you was not easy because we did not have teachers and we didn't have online courses. So this was us doing correspondence with um, each course. And at the end, we had to do this very rigorous clinical test, which to this day, I don't think I've done anything harder yet. Uh, it required a lot of documentation from the fire department to prove that we were paramedics with so many clinical hours and had expertise with certain populations. So you know, I, you know, often you know, I, I remember on one of my very first job interviews for a staff nurse, I remember the nursing manager who interviewed me, she said, um, can I ask you a question? I was like, well, you're going to ask me a lot anyway. Sure. And she said, um, why don't you speak a little bit more highly of the program that you did? She said that could not have been easy. And I was thinking, yeah, why don't I? <laughs> so ever since she said that, I said, yeah, I, I better speak about it probably. Hey, we taught ourselves. No, just kidding. But uh, so my journey into nursing was not traditional at all. And I had to make that very difficult decision after working two years as a paramedic and a nurse to leave the fire department. And I did not want to because I love that job. I love being a paramedic. Um, it taught me so much. And I tell people, my parents raised me. That is true. But Detroit EMS truly raised me into the person that I am today. So I grew the traditional route, I guess, in nursing leadership because I was a staff nurse and a supervisor and a manager and a director. And so um, when I joined the ranks of nursing leadership, I fell in love with it. And I knew I had to continue to move forward with it. Wow. That is quite a story, and I'm, I'm so excited that you, um, as nursing faculty, get those students in their in their last rotation. Oh, yeah, leadership. Uh, me too. I mean, what a great role model for them. You can really have an influence, Mo, on those students in their leadership rotation. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I'm such a, anybody I'm so better. Weak. Yeah, I'm so weak. You can anybody me. better to lead them. <laughs> I'm so weak for them. I baby them. I'm so guilty of that. I'm so weak for them. Do you know why? Because they're at the end and I spend a lot of time telling them, look how far you've come. You're yeah. not going to fail now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so least... my part is really getting them ready for what they're getting ready to step into. So we go over interview skills, resume writing. They do this big project with another nursing leader. So I, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I, I think they're getting a great um, person to teach them about leadership there at the end. And and then just all those areas you're over as a nurse leader, for heaven's sake. Yeah, I'm 
Yeah, so that was different, right? When I came to Beaumont Health, uh, I came from the Detroit Medical Center. I grew up there and I had uh, two ERs and observation units. So they, they were similar and I, they were my skill set, right? They were, the, they were my expertise. So I was really good. And then I get to Beaumont and it, I've, had, I've changed air of responsibility about three different times. When I first got there, I had critical care, respiratory, transportation, emergency management. Then they moved some of those areas out of nursing into operations, kind of where they really are, you know, mm -hmm. traditionally. And I've learned so much with all these different areas. And I, I have to say, probably my favorite thing out of all of this, having ER, EME, and surge is bridging those two. Oh, to, yeah. to, at least, <laughs> to at least understand each other's practice. I'm not telling them one got to go work in the other at all, but just bridging that, that listen, the ER does not hate you and med surge does not hate the ER. Can we just please be relatives here? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a problem uh, no matter where you work, isn't it? So good. I know, I know it's everywhere. So and it's very rare. So it's only my myself and uh, I believe two other directors in the system that kind of have other areas too. Um, I, I believe it's based on hospital size. But my ER, we see pre-COVID probably about 65,000 visits a year, level two trauma. Mm -hmm. um, it's busy. And even with the dip with COVID originally, we back up to the regular volume, which I'm really glad about because I think the patients were staying at home dying yeah and i you know because we told him no come to the er right the media said don't come do not come to the er yeah yeah well i'm glad to see that they're coming back I, you don't want people me too having those problems that's that's very sad oh me too mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes we just want to tell the media to get some duct tape be quiet yeah uh or at, at least let us kind of help you make the, ooh, the decision i mean i I was so worried about the patients, you know, when the ERs were empty, I was like, oh my God, oh, yes. please don't be at home. I know yeah. that's, that's very sad. So Mo, you alluded to it a little bit. What was it? What, what is it? Why, why am I saying was it's not over yet? What is it like being a nurse leader in this pandemic? What is that like? Um, uh, okay. Let's start truthfully scared. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people um, acknowledge that. You know, as a leader, leaders are afraid too right now. And if they tell you that they're not, they are not being truthful. Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't seen this either. And in the beginning, oh, let me just, let me fast forward to where we are now. So now our COVID numbers are low, knock on wood, but our regular, very sick patient numbers are high. So we're seeing that these are the people who probably, you know, missed care during those first surges and so we're seeing the chfers and the heart attacks and the strokes and the kidney problems you know what i mean so now all of our regular patients are back again i'm very grateful to that but i don't ever if i never go through this again which i know i might try to sound optimistic here i would be grateful for it mm -hmm. uh, but i know that this that would not be the reality the first the first surge just did something to me. And then the second one did something. And then the third one just took me to a whole nother place. Um, not having, you know, visitors. And I'm 
told this story over and over and over again. And I, I will continue to tell this story just because I want people to understand the impact. In that first surge, we went from zero patients to a hospital full of patients. I remember we tried to do the COVID floor. That didn't work. The whole hospital ended up being the COVID floor, okay? We had ICUs running into our progressive care unit. So we had like one ginormous ICU. But quickly identified that my role will not be the same during the pandemic. What can I do to help the nursing staff ease the burden right now as they're dealing with this? You know, they got to keep taking on and off the PPE. You know, they're with patients for hours at a time. What can I do? And the first thing that came to my mind was the family and the visitors because we went from having visitors everywhere because we didn't we, we would let your whole family come in. We really would yeah. to none. Right. And so there's this quietness and this eerie cold feeling is how I often describe it. An eerie cold feeling because no family are there and you are getting a iPad ready to do a FaceTime with families as their loved ones transition. Because in that first one, right, we didn't know. Now the second surge, we, we letting the family put on PPE, see them right before their transition. How, how, how cold is that, right? Your yeah. your mother is dying and we're getting ready to do this over video. Mm -hmm. you, it, yeah, so it, it really broke my heart. And I, you, uh, oh, absolutely. And you know, I took it back to EMS for me, right? Because EMS, I always had the families involved. Like they was everything for us, right? They told us what happened. They was the first eyes on the scene before us. So I was so used to grabbing for a family member. I just brought that into nursing with me. So even as a bedside nurse, I, the family, I didn't care. You can stay right here. I don't care. I'm not doing anything that you don't want to know. If the patient doesn't want you here, then, then I'll ask you to leave. Other than that, so not having them, I, I never realized how deeply that would impact me to the I, I i often always thought like uh what if that was your mom what if that was your dad and all this stays in my mind is this person belongs to somebody i hated that i i was giving out my cell phone number before we got we stood up this program very quick with communication liaisons because a lot of our staff from our corporate offices got redeployed. So we had nurses and social workers that were able to come and help us make phone calls, which thank goodness for that. So they would call the desk and the secretary would automatically transfer them to the communication person, which was a blessing for the staff. Cause again, they didn't have time to do the updates. Do you know what I mean? And so what you were fearful of is communication getting lost. And so I, I was giving my cell phone number out left and right in the beginning just to provide, you know, some type of peace. I did uh, conference calls with families where loved ones was getting other relatives involved from other states. It was just, you know, not again. <laughs> yeah. Mo, thank you for doing that, truly. And you really do make a difference. I appreciate that very much. Oh, yeah. no, it it was important, right? It was just important. I, I can't think of any other words to describe. It was important. Yeah. And I love that you're so focused on how you can support your nurses because I know they're struggling. I know, oh, I know yeah, as a absolutely. I know as a nurse leader, as a nurse leader, you you are too, and and they are. And and 
I'm sure that you all support each other, but it's it's really great to hear that's high priority for you because I'm very scared for the oh. right now. Yeah, hands down. I so, you know, Janie, I really it's so it's so interesting because you know if you have any type of faith, you know that everything happens for a reason, and and that is just said so many times. But I continued as a clinician until March of 2020. I worked for another hospital system for one of their urgent cares, which was more like a freestanding ER because it was attached with a big hospital system. And so it's just so, you know, there is nothing that uh, is accidental. So it it was sold and the, the new owners, uh, um, a medical group did not want RNs in the urgent care. They wanted medical assistance. So all the RNs were either took positions at the main hospital or parted. So I just went on and parted because I, this was to come. This was right when COVID was getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy and everything happened with the urgent care so fast. So when I made the decision to part, they said, well, your last day will be effective today. No problem. They were very nice about it, but it was because that had to happen. Do you know why? Because I had this work to do. Yeah. 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 Everything happens for a reason. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so Mo, why do you, what do you find most rewarding about being a nurse leader? Cause it's a tough job. I've, so, done, I've done it. So I'm not talking crazy. I know it's a tough job. So no, I know it's rewarding. You know, I, for me, it, it has to be, um, well, a couple of things, right? So I am always satisfied when I'm able to advocate, for my teams to ensure they have what they need to be successful because I, you know, I'm not at the BSI and they are. And what I will never allow to happen is them have barriers to doing their job. So um, any tools that they need, um, I always feel better when I know that I was able to do what was necessary to secure their needs. So, and, and, you know, one of the biggest battles I'm fighting right now, especially in med surge is that we are not getting any candidates. They, the new grads, they only want ER and ICU. So ER, I don't have no staffing issue, knock on wood, because <laughs> <Right. laughs> the candidates coming, you know, they want, especially now, right? Because we'll take new grads in ER, mm-hmm. right? We don't have time to wait for you to get some two years experience anymore, sure. because why? We are so depleted in nursing. So give me a new grad. I will help mold you, let you learn. So the ER has no issue, but man, Surge, we're not getting any candidates. So we were so lucky. We are able to participate in a trial with bringing LPNs back in. And I told, you know, the unit manager and the staff, I said, we just have to think differently because we cannot continue to let the staff work short like this. Like we got to think differently. So what do we get? How do we get them more helpers? And so, you know, that's just some of the things that, you know, makes me feel rewarded and makes me feel better is because I know that I sleep okay at night because I know I did not stop. Right. Guess what? The LPNs, we need some help. So let's do what we have to do. So that that is something that makes me feel rewarded is continuing to be a servant and an advocate for my teams. Yeah, that's awesome. I I, no, I'm not saying it's easy. I know, <laughs> but I, you know what? I think that you do, 
you you do have to think different. And I was an LPN for a while and I was a really good one. And so oh, I'm sure great LPNs out there. They could oh, really take a lot off those absolutely and, and help the patients. I think that's a great, great oh, way to do yeah. Absolutely. Actually, two of our ERs, they are now it, it just goes to show like the different, you know, um areas, right? So it's some of our ERs, they they fully staffed. Then we got several of them no staff so two of the ones that are struggling getting staff have asked to participate in the lpn trial and i said kudos to you yeah kudos to you for trying to figure out how to move differently in this new era yeah yeah good for you mo now you know i'd be remiss if i didn't bring something up about certification so oh no absolutely you have your you are a certified executive in nursing practice yes what's that, what's that certification mean to you mo well, can I tell you a little heartbreaking certification story? <laughs> oh my God. Listen, people listening, you can pass the CEN. I did not. I failed it twice by one point. <laughs> so you know what was so funny is because I said, okay, God, is this a sign? Is this a sign? I'm supposed to be focused on leadership. <laughs> tell me what, tell me. And it's funny because I talked to my mentor. Oh, I was so, when I tell you I was the luckiest new nurse leader, I truly was because I had some great nursing leader mentors. And she told me, you better stop taking that. <laughs> you better stop trying to take that CEN and you better take the leadership certification because that's your specialty. <laughs> so I, I thought about it and I was like, Mm, right, because I'm not even at the bedside no more. <laughs> so why am I? I'm up here trying, and I said, "You, she's right." Mm -hmm. So when I accepted that leadership was my specialty, I finally accepted it after I went. And I'm, I know people think I work for AO and L on the sacks. I'm always pumping them up, mm -hmm. but. I went to a nurse manager institute. It was four days in San Diego. At the time, it was American Organization of Nurse Executives. Yep. And I never forget, M.T. Meadows said, if you are in this room, leadership is your specialty. You need to get certification in your specialty. I'm not talking about the department that you run. Your specialty is leadership. And it just stuck to me. It just stuck. And so myself and some other colleagues were getting ready for our leadership certification. And I said, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm doing a CEMP. And, you know, I studied and I passed the exam and I was grateful and it, it means a lot to me. And so then it was funny because I said, okay, I might not be CEM. I'm CEMP and the CEN is in those letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know what? Um, I think it's difficult to role model and be a good, lead, you know, to be that leader that you are, Mo, without having, you know, so you want your nurses to be certified. They're looking at you. Are you certified? You are yes. certified. Leadership is your specialty. I think that's exactly right. That is not an easy exam either. And um, I agree with you. AONL is a great organization. Uh, I love them too. I talk about them a lot also. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, that's a great story. Great story about certification. Um, 
And along with that certification, of course, we have to be lifelong learners. We can never stop learning. Oh, never. Uh, whether we're mm-hmm. at the bedside and we've got people's lives in our hands or we're trying to lead the people that do or or what, mm-hmm. what, whatever the case is. So, um, <clears throat> Mo, what are your views on lifelong learning? Um, how do you how do you uh, how do you find time to to learn? You're a very busy woman. You know, how do you find time for it? So here, I will tell you this. I, I do not miss reading and I'm always in journals. I don't miss journals articles. Now, one thing I will say, I feel like I'm kind of cheating, but I'm not, but being faculty also helps that. And I'm grateful for that because the students, they keep me on my toes and we often change up the literature that we're using for that semester. And so it helps keep me current and by my course being leadership, mm-hmm. I'm able to stay current, not just through reading journal articles, but also by participating and teaching it. My mother was, a, was an educator, and unfortunately, growing up, I didn't have the luxury to not go to summer school. Like, my mom just didn't play that. Like, you going to summer school, I don't care, you're going. But, and to the <laughs> point, me and my siblings used to be like, oh, ugh. I mean, this is the woman who. <clears throat> made us read the newspaper and look at the names in the obituary so she could practice with us how to pronounce names of all nationalities. Uh-huh. And so it's interesting that because now as an, as an adult and a parent, my children, I, I drive them crazy too about, oh, no, no, oh, no, no. Like you have to be dedicated to learning that will never go away. And I don't even care if it's not even in nursing. Be open to learning all different type of things. It helps keep us whole, you know? And I, I wanna be that type of person. Uh, some of the, um, uh, like uh, when we have activities at work, like leadership form and things like that, and I'm asked to do ice breaking activities and stuff. I don't take nothing from nursing, Janie. I get everything from the tech industry. Do you know why? Because they're not in healthcare. And it's nice to bring something else into healthcare. So you have to, you know, be open to learning other things. And I I will not. My entire, I am going to be uh, 80 on a walker, uh, (laughs) still learning. That's awesome. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. I, I would love to meet your mother. She sounds amazing. Oh, yes. Yeah. She's the, you know, in her later years, she did the reading lab. So she, you know, back then they didn't call it, you, you know, we have so many um, different ways that we identify children now with learning needs. You know, it's, yeah. it's we're in a better time now, right? Because it's even more defined for the educators. They understand, you know, what barriers the child might be having, but they didn't have that back then. So my mother dealt with all the children who were um, experiencing reading difficulties. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, like um, even my own classmates, uh, if I see them, they'll be like, you know, how's Miss Moore doing? You know, it's because of her, I can read, you know? And so I I tell her all the time about how impactful she was on the children in our neighborhood who really struggled with reading, you know, and, I th- and she won't say this, but I do believe out of all the different things that she taught, because um, right before her school closed, it switched from junior high to K through eight. And she was teaching home ec to like fourth graders how to cook and stuff. Yeah. 
she she will I know that my mother her favorite was the reading lab I know that hands down she sounds awesome mm -hmm. just like you I wonder where no. you got it from Mo yeah it, it had to be her yeah. <laughs> that is great Mo Mo you have so many good stories so many things to tell us it's so engaging entertaining but let me ask you tell us about a patient or a moment in your career that made a significant impact on you you know, there's so many, I, you know. And I, 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 I figure you have lots of them, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, one that, that never, uh, one I'm pretty sure never left me uh, was a child who, um, I was a paramedic. This was a child who was in foster care. And um, we had got a call in the afternoon for a baby who won't wake up for their nap. And you know that those type of calls are real because we, we didn't get the, you know, false calls for a baby that don't wake up. You know, we got false calls for shooting, stabbing, violent stuff, but never for a baby that won't wake up. And when we got there, you know, the baby uh, was deceased. You know, we still worked the baby up and everything. And, um, you know, we transported the baby because of, the suspicion related to the death of the child. You know, we had to be interviewed by so many different agencies, right? We had to talk to the state. We had to talk to local law enforcement. We had to talk to um, our own agency. It was, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. And, you know, the one thing with that story that always stood out for me was why not give the healthcare providers in that moment a second to pause, right? Because everything was happening so fast. And I, that was my very first traumatic uh, pediatric run because the child had been sodomized and beaten and burned. And I never understood why we weren't allowed a pause. And then me and my partner were separate we were being interviewed separately. It, it was really something, again, I, I reflect on it. It was really out of body because I just was numb in the moment. And that child and my child at the time were like the same age. The child was not even two yet. And that run always stuck with me because I ended up, this went on for a long time because I had to keep going back and forth to court about this case, as you can imagine. And... I just never felt like I got that pause. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after that, it followed me throughout my career, even into nursing after codes, debrief, how important a debrief is. You, you don't have to do interviews yet. You don't have to talk to the authorities yet. It is okay to let a healthcare provider in an event like that, just take a pause, have a moment of reflection because you don't know how that might have impacted that individual. You, 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 you know, what I always breaks my heart is when you hear about healthcare providers who end up committing suicide, you know, from different things that might've happened along their way, along their career. And I, I never forgot that case because I often have felt like I never was given a moment to pause. And was I expected to be strong because, you know, I'm a paramedic and, 
this is what we do. This is our job. We do this all the time. Is this what is expected of nurses and physicians and social and everybody who's dealing with things like this? And so that case never left me, never. And, you know, even at the end, the way things happened, this, you know, was even more heartbreaking because when you hear about these type of stories, you know, it's a more heartbreaking here. So this was a um, foster care mother who had about eight children in the house ages 17 to two, she was about mid seventies. Who's helping her? Do, do you know what I'm saying? So it was just so many background things with that story. That case never left me. Mm. It never left me. Like if, when I think about it to this day, I can't, I remember everything about it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah. that very much. Thank you. Now, Janie said in the beginning that you're a radio personality. So mm -hmm. I understand you have your own radio show. Can you tell us a little bit about it and the inspiration behind it? Yes. Yeah, so the show that I hosted uh, was Motivation Nation right here um, in Dearborn, which is Dearborn in Detroit. Like it's parts of Dearborn that sit in Detroit is anyway, long story. But uh, the name of my show was uh, Motivation Nation, WHFR uh, 89.3. And we were also on the Internet as well. Since COVID, though, we've been on hi hiatus. And right now, um, my actual um, program director and general manager are trying to figure out a way how we can integrate my show back in because I was the one who was talking to everybody. And currently, with the COVID-19 restrictions, we can't have any guests in studio. So that, for me, was, when I tell you, a bummer, a big heartbreak because I, I don't want to play music. I've been vocal about that. They know that I, I want to talk to people. And the highlight of my show, it when I did play music, I played music to uplift, inspire and motivate people. But the reason I enjoyed talking to different people in the community was because I told um, I had the opportunity to share a lot of underdog stories, you know, people who may have survived cancer, people who went to prison and then started nonprofits to help children whose parents are in prison, um, different leagues that were like collecting books for children and, you know, fundraisers. Like I miss that so much because, I, you know, I often felt like people need to hear the underdog story. It helps them realize they're possible too. And something they might've been thinking of doing, if they did it, I can do it, you know? So I miss that. I miss talking to people. Uh, and, and it's funny because <laughs> I, um, Beaumont has been good to me and it's almost been kind of feeding you my, my fix for radio. So I've been, I've done a lot of news and press related to the pandemic. Um, I've done actually one of our own Beaumont Health podcast. I've been out in the community educating about vaccination. Um, so they've been kind of filling my you know, the, the need to feed. So um, as a matter of fact, we're going to have a nursing excellence gala that we had to switch to virtual and I'll be hosting it. So I'm still getting a little fix, uh, but I miss it so much. I cannot wait. I, when I tell you, I cannot wait to be back in studio with guests. They asked me that I want to start doing interviews over Zoom to do over the air. And I said, I would definitely, definitely do that. I just can't wait to be back in face to face with people from our community again. Uh, great. When that comes back, let us know because I'd like to. I will. To yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I'll see it on LinkedIn, I'm sure. 
Yeah, you know what's funny? You know, I was I took for granted. I get, <laughs> I took for granted the following right that, that we had, especially when I was. Uh, I used to co-host uh, Soundtrack City, and we used to play music from all type of movie soundtracks. And somebody had messaged me on Instagram, and they was like, "Yeah, we was listening to you at this pool party in Miami," and I was like, "Me?" <laughs> uh, so I told my partner, I said, "Show." We like worldwide. They was listening to us in Miami. And then we found out we kind of had this huge following in Philly. And I was like, really? Thank God for the internet. I, I, felt, I felt so famous in that moment. Cool. Neat. That's so cool. That is. So, Mo, I'm going to turn directions a little bit here, go a different way. I'm going to ask a few rapid fire questions. Okay. So, what would you be doing if you were not in your current role? What Radio. Else? Radio, <laughs> hands down, radio, 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 podcast. I don't radio. It would definitely be me interviewing people. I like talking to people. I'm with you. I agree. I love that. I would do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Super. That's it. Hands down. Beaumont knows that too. Cause I always crack jokes at work. I'm like, can y'all put me with the media department here? Like, seriously, you, I mean, y'all always have me doing something. Let me work with them. So, yeah. Now, I have three categories regarding your favorites and why it is your favorite. So feel free to skip if you don't want to answer these. But here we go. Your favorite book. Oh, um, The Autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley and Malcolm X. Malcolm X actually wrote the most of the book, and then he was killed. He was assassinated. Uh, that is That will always be my favorite book of all times because he is the perfect example of how someone could change and how their thinking can change. And so, you know, uh, this to me, this part is not talked about enough when he made his Hajj to Mecca. And this is when he found out that there were Muslims of all colors and that the world was not as black as he was once led to believe and what it did for him. And so I think even in the time up until his death, which he knew he was to be killed, um, I don't think people knew that he was a man of peace now. I don't think that gets publicized enough. So that will always be. I read that book in the fifth grade, and then we had to read it in the eighth grade. Very neat. How about your favorite uh, movie? Oh, Remember the Titans. <laughs> Remember the Titans is an mm. underdog story. I remember. I can it. watch that. Listen, it drives my husband crazy. When I tell you I could watch that, <laughs> it's so funny. If he come home and I'm looking at it, he like, oh, we, you never saw this before. What's the name of this? <laughs> remember the titans and i love that movie because denzel washington um was a coach that was brought there to put the other coach out of the way um and they wanted him to fail as the first african-american in that community and instead him and the other coach became best friends and they brought um all races together and they won the national championship for that season in spite of race so i that's hands down my favorite. Oh movie. my, that is that is a fantastic movie. I can't, yes. isn't it? Anymore. And who doesn't love Denzel? I mean, he's I know, never done I anything know. bad either. I know, I know. <laughs> this guy, I know. I love and, him. Even uh, even when he played the villain, I could. I, could I know he's him. good in everything he does. Yeah, he's one of those people. No matter what he plays, like. <laughs> I know. I know. You like? Yep. Yeah, well. Yeah. Good. And how about a favorite song? Sir Duke. Sir Duke, You Can Fill It All Over by Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is my favorite artist in Lifetime. Um, 
I love that song because it was a tribute to actually Duke Ellington who had passed away. But the words in that song are so true because music is, you know, a language within itself that we can all understand. So I don't care where you're from. You can go to any side of the world. If you feel the beat of the drums, even the deaf can feel music. So it 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 really um, outlines how I feel about music. Music. I, I listen great. to music all day. I just don't want to play it. I don't, I want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, music's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, I know you have a little bit of time. So do you have any hobbies or interests other than what we talked about? Don't judge me. If y'all judge me on here, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> do not judge me. No judging. What my favorite hobby is, mm -hmm. is doing my nails. I know. <laughs> Me too. I do, I do me and oh, my no, mom's no. nails. <laughs> and I do my nails like every week. I know that it's so funny because people will say, uh, that's a, you know, that really is a daily living. Like that's a part of hygiene. No, I like to do my nails and make them pretty and sparkly. So that's like one of my most favorite hobbies. That's good. <laughs> not a, I'm not judging at all. It's great. That's super. No. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't think it count as a hobby though. <laughs> but it's mine. It could count as a hobby. I have a really good friend who who uh would say the same thing. So I think you're I think it's all good. Yeah, okay. It could be a hobby. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well thank you. I'm glad I'm glad I'm accepted here for that. Absolutely you are. I might put down the podcast <laughs> intro when people read it, get to find out Mo's new hobby. I mean <laughs> I love it. I can't help it. I look at nails um all on Instagram and you know buying <laughs> like nail designs. I I love it. And my mom, I feel like a little girl when I'm doing her nails because I feel like I'm playing, you know, dress up. But there's some designs that are amazing. I have some granddaughters and to see their nails and the designs see? on there. Yeah. See, yeah. see, he know. Mark, that's a good job. You know, it's cool. Mm -hmm. So, if our audience would like to follow you online, uh, I understand you're on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. The other, I'm on all platforms as Iman Momenari, but Instagram, I'm DJ Mo underscore the Spark Plug. Good, super. Well, excellent. Well, you know, I want to take the time to thank you, Mo Menard, for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends, and thank you for sharing your time and great. Exceptional stories. You were just fantastic. I mean, I could oh, listen to you for you. another few hours, actually. Oh, no, no, thank you. I No, thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. I, re I enjoyed it a lot. I really did. We loved having you, Mo. Thank you. Yeah, so I love being here. Yeah. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. And to all of our listeners, we hope you'll stay tuned as we continue on with BCN and Friends and bring in new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I am Mark Eggers here with Janie Shoemaker, and on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you are doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, 